Good morning. It is time to get up with a bulldog beatdown. Georgia is the epicenter of college football. Have they bumped Bama from the top of the sport? Meanwhile, the D in Big D stands for destroy the tape. Can Dallas bounce back in time to take out Tampa Tom? And then, with the clock ticking on the Bears, riddle you hear what our GM thinks they should do with the number one pick. We've got all that and a whole lot more as we get up with you. Starting right now. Loaded up on a Tuesday morning. Graziano, Nick is here. Tannenbaum's got another one of his ideas that you're going to enjoy this morning. And that's not all. We got college football covered on a variety of levels, including the big swagoo and a very happy David Pollock, who is live with us from Los Angeles. After the game of the night, the blowout of the year, Georgia and TCU for the national championship last night. The opening kickoff went to the Frogs. They would go three and out. Georgia would take over, and Stetson Bennett would take it himself. Ooh, deceptively fast. Touchdown, Stetson Bennett. He actually is deceptively fast. The Bulldogs up 7-0. It's 10-0, and here was the moment for TCU. A wide-open Darius Davis. Yeah, a lot of attention went to Johnson, their big receiver. Davis wide open on the sideline. Nice play. And TCU gets in the red zone, and that leads to this three plays later. This is Max Duggan taking it himself, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we'll have ourselves a game. You thought wrong. I did. <laughs> oh boy, did I. Uh, that made it 10-7. And then all this happened. Lad McConkey all by himself. Why would you cover Lad McConkey for the big six? 17-7 Georgia. They're just getting started. Second quarter, same score, first and goal. This is too easy. Bennett untouched. Yeah, they're going on air. It wasn't even that tricky of misdirection, but touchdown. We got the MJ Shrub 24-7 next TCU drive. Death Desperation for Duggan, and he's picked. Oh, it's an outstanding play. One of several great plays by Buller. After the pick, this is a third and 15. Brock Bowers made himself known last night. 152 receiving yards for the big tight end. Yeah, Bowers a problem. And that was a hell of a throw right there from Bennett. Bennett would run for two and throw two. Actually, throw four last night. First player ever with multiple rushing and passing touchdowns. That's Kendall Milton for a touchdown. Next TU, TCU possession, they're trying to make something happen before halftime. Darius Davis intercepted by Bullard again. Georgia on consecutive drives with turnovers. That leads to this. Here is Bennett. This is Adonai Mitchell. Barohata Adonai. Yeah! <laughs> they all wanted me to say it. Georgia with a 38-7 halftime lead. It was during that halftime that David Pollock proclaimed Georgia the kings of college football with Nick Saban sitting right on the set. Third quarter, Bennett Bowers, 45-7. And that's the way it went. In the end, 65-7 is the final. A second consecutive championship for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. After, in the midst of the celebration, the coach had this to say. We wanted our kids to play without fear. And all year I told them, I said, we ain't getting hunted, guys. We're doing the hunting. And hunting season's almost over. We only got one more chance to hunt, and we hunted tonight. Brutal, cold execution. That's what that was. That was stone-cold killer mentality. Well, that it certainly was. Uh, 58 points is the margin. That's not only the largest ever in a championship game, meaning BCS or CFP. It's the largest winning margin in any bowl game in the history of college football. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've been 
play and those are really long time. So it was that kind of one-sided. Let's bring David Pollack in here. First and foremost, and Deswagu is here, and, and, and Dominic. Look, I, I think Georgia was, a, was almost a two-touchdown favorite, David. The expectation was they were the better team, and if it went their way, they might win somewhat easily. Were even you surprised at just how dominant they were last night? Well, everybody was surprised at 65-7. to 7. Um, Listen, you, you knew Georgia had the advantages across the board, and we were trying to do a, you know, the show, and we were talking about talent, and you look at Georgia, they had 66 four- and five-star guys. TCU had 17, so you know there was a huge discrepancy. Something great had to happen, but just listen to Kirby talk. By the way, they leaked his – uh, his pregame speech, too. And if you want to go run through a wall this morning, go find it and listen to it. I mean, just unbelievable job of, of ways to find uh, – to get their guys motivated. And their talent just won out. Remember, last week, Ohio State, or, you know, Peach Bowl, Ohio State was a great game that felt like the national championship as opposed to last night. Yeah, I mean, the two games a week ago Saturday were both magnificent and both came down to the very finish, and then last night we get the blowout. So, Marcus, I'll ask you first, because I feel like it is the legitimate question to ask today. Nick Saban and Alabama have owned the sport for more than a decade. Does college football now belong to Kirby Smart and Georgia? Yeah, two-time national champions back-to-back, and a lot of people haven't talked about They've been knocking at the door previously. Like, this has been a consistently good football team. I remember when Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle went uh, to California and won a big game and lost to Nick Saban in Alabama. Look, we can determine by history and talk about all of the things that Saban has uh, accomplished at Alabama, or we could live in the now. And when you're the two-time back-to-back national champion, you own college football. That's the reality of this game. And then dominant. As well, when you look at what Georgia not only did yesterday, but you look at how they were able to overcome things this particular season as being defending national champions, you look at last year and how dominant they were defensively. Offensively, we had questions about Stetson Bennett. He's continued to get better. But more importantly, this is how I determine it. And when you look at Alabama and how they had their run, how many guys – can you send to the NFL and still be this good? Mm-hmm. That is what determines how you take over college football. And right now, that tag belongs to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. It's inarguable. I mean, David, for those who don't know, Georgia had five defensive players selected in the first round last year alone coming off that national championship team. And then back they come and they don't lose a game this year. What does that mean, David? How do, we, how do you put this into perspective? Five defensive guys drafted in the first round. Fifteen guys drafted total. Fifteen. I mean, I didn't think they'd be sitting back in this spot and go undefeated and and just reload. It shows you how good Kirby Smart is. It shows you how good they've recruited. It shows you how good they are at building team. Obviously, he learned from a long time from Nick Saban, and, and he's taking all that knowledge and he's using it, and he's on top of the game. And listen, it's not an insult to Alabama. It just shows you how great Georgia has been when you start to develop that talent. And it, it took Nick a long time and Alabama a long time to really get great offenses. When Kirby got his quarterback, it's what took him to the next level. When Stetson Bennett became a baller somehow, some way out of nowhere that that nobody believed in, and this offense started producing, it went from just a good, a really good one side of the ball, you know, really good defense, managed the offense to a team that was almost impossible to beat the last two years. And Kirby Smart, thirty-three and one, or thirty-three and one over his last thirty-four games. 
For anyone who, who turned it off when it went to the half last night, we hope you stayed and watched the entire game. But you did miss what can only be described as a priceless moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want everyone to see, because this went viral last night, David Pollock's description, I think a, a, a fully accurate description of the state of college football right now with, with our friend Nick Saban sitting right there on the set. Just watch Nick's face as David made this point. George, obviously you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, They've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys losing. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any team. Uh, David, uh, <laughs> David what, uh, what can you tell us about that exchange? First of all, I didn't even think about who I was sitting next to when no. I said that. It had nothing to do with having Nick next to me, but we're at halftime, and y'all know how this works. We're, we got we got to talk about something, and it dang sure wasn't the game. The game was over. Everybody knew that in the stadium. Everybody knew that at home, so it was like, man, look at what Georgia's done and the dominance, and then you know, I, I had nothing to do with taking a shot at Nick. I, I, Nick didn't say a word, and he wasn't upset in the slightest bit. So it was not Dave, a shot Dave. at Nick Saban. Pop, DP, yeah. DP, you don't have to explain a damn thing, man. <laughs> you, you were being truthful and honest, and, and we have watched – Nick Saban and Alabama say the same type of thing for the last 10 years. Right now, it's Georgia's game. That's that's what it boils down to. But he will play that highlight a thousand times next year mm -hmm. in his locker room and during preseason. I will remind everyone that Marcus Spears won a national championship playing for Nick Saban yeah. at LSU. So if, if anyone knows, he knows. Very quickly, just a, a quick final thought on this because, you know, Alabama, we act like, well, they're, they're a thing of the past. I mean, they did just have a dominant bowl performance, and they were basically two plays away from having a perfect season this year. They never got their crack at Georgia. David, they're not going away, right? I mean, it, it, as people start talking about a three-peat, which has never happened and everything, it, it is still Nick Saban who will have something to say about that. Yes? Yeah, and he just had the greatest recruiting class ever. So Alabama's not going anywhere. They've got t plenty of talent. You saw the way they finished the bowl game. Um, but but this Georgia team's coming back. It's going to be loaded. But like uh, Kirby talked about, fighting complacency. I, I don't think we're done seeing you know Nick versus Kirby in big games. And we'll probably see it next year in the SC Championship game with a lot on the line. Dominique, give us a, a, any takeaway you have from last night and, and the season and the state of college football. I enjoyed last night thoroughly. It was great. But more than anything, say it with your chest, David. Don't get nervous on me. You Georgia owns college football, and you are not afraid of Alabama. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid, but I just wanted to make sure I, I wasn't playing to – I wasn't trying to dunk on Saban. That wasn't hey. something that I was trying to let, do let, and be rude. Let the Terps win a national title. I'm dunking on everybody. All, all throughout all of college football. <laughs> Let Mike Loxley get it done. Y'all saw, David, y stay saw close me by. acting a damn fool in 2019. So <laughs> yeah. Let it happen again. It's going to be the same result. Hey, I was with Marcus and Ryan <laughs> Clark the next morning. Trust me. Uh, the yak was flowing freely. That's a whole other conversation. Anyway, stay close, David. We'll come back to you as we go. Meanwhile, to the NFL, we will go next. We had Graz and Nick Tannenbaum here. The troubling trend in Dallas. Are Dax picks going to cost the Cowboys a run at the Super Bowl? Our our former Cowboy will weigh in, and then with the clock ticking on the Bears, wait till you hear what our GM thinks they should do with the number one pick. You will next as we get up with you on ESPN.
Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals shopping for mother's day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute but macy's gift finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for mother's day whether you're shopping for your sister's first mother's day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement macy's gift finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both you can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under you can also sort by category like fragrance handbags and more or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma find top brands like studio pro model beats headphones polaroid cameras and samsung smart tvs so what are you waiting for mother's day is may 12th it'll be here before you know it Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Back on Get Up, let's play a game called Fact or Fiction. Dominic, the Giants are going to upset Minnesota. Fact or Fiction? Fact. Oh. Uh, yeah, the Giants and Brian Dayball have been really impressed this season. I understand that they don't have very many weapons, but I like the aggressiveness of their defense, and they're going up against the Minnesota Vikings, who all year long we've been watching them somehow achieve higher than their um, skill set suggests. So I'm going to go out on a limb. And Danny Dimes gets it done. Calling for the upset on the road. Swagoo, the Niners are going to make it to the Super Bowl. Fact or fiction? Yeah, fiction, man. I still believe that Philly is the best team in the NFC. Obviously, the Lane Johnson injury gives you pause. But I saw that offensive line with the San Francisco 49ers against Arizona have some problems protecting Brock Purdy. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles can turn it on with Jalen Hurts standing in the backfield and his addition in the run game. I still got Philly coming out of the NFC. Mike T, Dak Prescott, all these interceptions he's throwing are going to cost the Cowboys a shot at the Super Bowl. Is that fact or fiction? It's fact, and that pains me to say because I'm a big Dak fan. But if we go back over the last five games, Greeny, eight interceptions, five games is a long time. So he hasn't fixed it yet. 
Defenses in the playoffs get better. I think he sends them home. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy was asked yesterday about that hideous 26-6 loss in Washington. Here's what the coach said. I talked a little bit about, you know, yesterday not being a, you know, burn the tape type type uh, outlook here, but, you know, we've had a chance to go through it, and, and frankly, I think it's time to burn the tape and move on to Tampa. Uh, listen, I mean, burn the tape and say we've seen it happen. Rex Ryan once buried a tape and it worked for them. All those kinds of things, but we have to start with our beloved former Cowboy here. Marcus Spears, before we move forward, what happened to the Cowboys on Sunday, and more importantly, what did it mean? Well, look, th this is this team. They're Jekyll and Hyde. Like, you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out, and that's the scariest part. That's why the confidence wavers. Now, I will say, look, going into Washington, you know you're in the playoffs. Um, obviously, everybody brings up the one seed, and that Philly and New York game was a, was a little bit closer than, than everybody thought it would be, but ultimately, when you look at this Cowboys team, this is what we've seen throughout the year. This is the type of performances and turnovers, bad sloppy play, penalties, offensive line getting beat up front. These are the things of why when you look at the 12-4 and record, you say this team playing well and if they don't beat themselves, can beat and compete with anybody in the NFC and potentially get to a Super Bowl. But over the history of seeing the Dallas Cowboys, especially with what they've been doing, as for, with what Dak has been doing turning the football over, there is no shot at getting to the damn Super Bowl. We don't need to come on TV and fool ourselves. Like, mm. we, we, the Cowboys are, are the talking point. Everybody loves to talk about them. I want them to win as much as anybody. But how can you have full confidence watching what we've watched that the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl? The other thing is this, too. The problem for other teams is you don't know what damn team is going to show up. It may be the 40-3 team that showed up against Minnesota, or it may be the team we saw play the Washington Commanders. It may be the team we saw play Jacksonville Jaguars or the Green Bay Packers where you see good and bad. But these turnovers are the issue. And when you think about what I've been saying for the last month, this will be about Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore. We sat here and had the whole battle about the Green Bay Packers game. I thought Dak played well enough for them to win that game. Everybody talked about the defense and all of the things that came along. It does not matter, y'all. If mm -hmm. Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore are not A-gaming, the Cowboys have no shot at getting through these playoffs and winning this game. And they might not come out of Tampa alive if he turns the football over. Well, that's the point. So long before we start talking about the Super Bowl, we talk about beating the all-time Super Bowl quarterback. Danny, how do we describe what is at stake here for the Cowboys in this game? I, I have been describing it as a fire-everybody game. You lose this game, everybody gets fired. Look, I mean, we don't know what ownership will do, but I don't think it's out of the question that if they were to lose this game, especially if they lose it in embarrassing fashion, right, on Monday night on ESPN, that, that, there, could be, that there could be changes. I mean, look. I don't know how you show up for Sunday's game and play like that. That wasn't Jekyll and Hyde. That was Jekyll and the Texans. Like you can't, <laughs> you cannot roll in on that. Like the whole the, the debate last week was, should they play their guys? Like if you're going to play your guys, you got to play. Like that, that was not a playoff caliber performance in any in any stretch. 
And guys, I mean, I don't, I mean, is there anybody who breaks down film that can tell me why he won't stop throwing interceptions? He never threw interceptions before. Yes. And now he literally will not stop doing it. I don't understand what's going on. Well, I have the, the sort of the, the leader of the Dak Prescott fan club and then a member of the family over here. <laughs> and, and it is inexplicable. All the things that we lauded Dak for over the years, pre-snap recognition, all the things that he has always done well seem to be the things that have suddenly become the problem. How do you explain it? He's a smart player and a great decision maker normally pre-snap and enduring the games. I think to be completely honest with you, a fair assessment of Dak's interceptions were, like, it was a lot of them that weren't his fault. But then the game just happened on Sunday. Those were all on him. Like, there's there's no excuse. There's no talking around it. I think that it's possible that you could say that that was an aberration. You can't coach somebody out of throwing tip balls or uh, kind of fluky interception luck. But in that particular game, it really, it really brought to light how scary it could be if they lose Dak also, because right now there are lots of holes everywhere, and I think Dak's ability offensively kind of covers up for that, even the holes on defense, because they can score so many points when he's playing well. But if he's mediocre, they're bad. Yeah, and just to move the story forward, guys, Coach Dungy mentioned this the other night. They're really bad on grass. That slows down their pass rush. So if they can't get the lead and Dak's turning the ball over, they're 1-4 in four in their last five games on the road on grass, giving up 27 points a game. So, Greeny, it becomes a force multiplier. Not only are you turning the ball over, but now you can't rush the passer, which is really the strength of this team. To be clear what he means, on grass, it neutralizes speed a little bit. On the road, it's a little harder for defenses to get off the ball quickly. So the formula of trying to get out in front and then winning it with your aggressive defense maybe works a little bit less well on a road grass game like this is in Tampa. Marcus, I'll ask it to you simply because I won't have you again this week to my knowledge do you expect them to win do you expect them to beat Brady and the Buccaneers next Monday no I do not no I do not and you can't and you can't you can't say that with 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 great confidence and I know what we've talked about with the Bucs and I know that we've had the conversation about the Bucs not being a really good football team we know that offensive line has struggled but guys think about this now what we saw Mike Evans do the Cowboys are struggling opposite of Trayvon Diggs. Mm-hmm. And they will need – Tom Brady is going to needle that the entire football game. And if you don't figure out how to get that taken care of, offensively they can be explosive enough. And you telling me that we've been watching turnovers happen with this defense, with these guys that they have on the back end, the ability to rush with Devin White and Levante David in the middle of the pocket. They got back healthy with Carlton Davis on the back end. Listen – I do believe that the Cowboys playing at their highest level can take care of the Buccaneers. But there ain't nothing to tell you that they're going to play at their highest level. And if if I thought they would, if I thought that they would go in, if I thought last week was an anomaly and they would go into this game with the full confidence that Dak is going to take care of the football, they're going to be creative offensively, they're going to get some semblance of a run game going and be able to be multiple, I'll say with with full confidence that the Cowboys are going to win this game. I don't know that. And you're not going to beat Tom Brady if you turn the football over. That is exactly how the Buccaneers want to play. They want to beat you that way. It is remarkable and a testament to the power of the Cowboys brand that what could easily wind up being the final game in the career of the most accomplished player of all time is barely part of the conversation as we go through this week. This is all about the Cowboys. We'll see what they have on Monday night. In the meantime, the Bears are on the clock. Should they consider taking a quarterback and trading away Justin Fields? 
One person sitting at this desk says the answer to that is yes. Don't miss it. Next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you are just getting up with us, here were the pictures from last night. It was an extraordinarily impressive performance from Kirby Smart and number one Georgia looking to go back-to-back national championships last night against upstart TCU. And candidly, it was never a game. Late first quarter, wide open, Lad McConkey. A touchdown to give Georgia a 10-point lead, and they would never look back. How about Stetson Bennett, Dominique? Uh, Stetson Bennett was outstanding. Heisman-level performance last night in the biggest game of the year. He accounted for six touchdowns between his rushing and his passing. And then you have Max Duggan, who was also a Heisman candidate, getting intercepted late in the first half. There were multiple turnovers, and they seemed like they all led to points here. In the end, this was the most one-sided bowl game, not just championship game, but the most one-sided bowl game of all time, 65-7, to the final. There have been 1,556 bowl games all time. The question, Kirby Smart, how about a 3 P? The uphill battle for those guys is you think that you just inherit success, and uh, I personally think next year is going to be a much, much more difficult challenge over this year because we had so many guys leaving last year. Uh, we got a lot of guys coming back. The disease that creeps into your program um, is called entitlement. And I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And if you can stomp it out with leadership, then you can stay hungry. And uh, we have a saying around our place, we eat off the floor. And if you're willing to eat off the floor, you can be special. Okay, so Georgia is the early <laughs> favorite. Uh, at Caesars to win a third straight national championship next year. They would become the first team in the AP poll era 
to three-peat if they are able to do it. We'll have much more coverage from Los Angeles as the morning continues. In the meantime, back to the NFL, where in one of the bizarre developments in Week 18, the Chicago Bears wound up securing the number one pick in the draft when the Texans beat the Colts. Now, they seem to have the quarterback in place, right? Justin Fields, who they traded up to take a couple years ago. He started 15 games in his second season, threw 17 touchdowns, ran for eight more, and I think that the, the general consensus opinion as this season went on is that the Bears had really found something special here in Justin Fields. And so the number one overall pick, when they got that, my immediate assumption is they will trade that pick away for a King's ransom. Mike Tannenbaum is our general manager. You have a different idea. Yeah, I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm taking nothing away from him. I think he has a chance to be a good, maybe a top 10 quarterback. But if you can get at least a first and a third round pick, which I believe you can because so many teams need a quarterback, I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback than Justin Fields. And when I do that and get at least a first and a third round pick, I'm resetting Bryce Young's rookie contract. And I'm going to be able to get at least four starting caliber players. A great illustration of this, guys, is what happened in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is on his rookie deal. They go out and get guys like Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, Evan Ingram, amongst others. So if I could turn Justin Fields basically into six quality players and get Bryce Young, who I think will be the better player, I'm making that move if I'm the Bears. It's a... Look, on, on first blush, my first reaction was, well, that's insane. And then the more I think about it, if they are equal, if they are equivalent players, then this strategy actually right. does make sense because the rookie salary cap is such a big part of it. What is your immediate reaction, Neek? I mean, I tend to think that the surroundings around a young quarterback are more important than the quarterback's talent himself. So I think what it comes down to is whether you go with Bryce Young or Will Levitz or Justin Fields, the point is you need to build up some structure around them, be it coaches, be it players who are uh, more talented than the roster they have now. And however you can think to do that, I think is the move. So that's why I would keep Justin Fields because I think the first round pick is more valuable. So if you have to go one or the other, honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to moving them both out and getting you uh, uh, six first round picks and building from there. But right now, I think the first round pick is much more, number one overall, is much more valuable in the market than Justin Fields. So you trade that away, not the player. So you just mentioned the name Will Levis. He is the quarterback at Kentucky. He is actually Mel Kuyper's number one rated quarterback on his board. Then there's Bryce Young, and there's also C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, who was nothing short of brilliant against Georgia a week or so ago. These are Mel's top five quarterbacks, and the three, the first three names you see there, I think we all expect to go very early in this coming draft. So let me go to David Pollack again, who is still basking in the glow of his Bulldogs performance last night, and he gets up with us early from L.A. today. You, of course, covered the, the college game for us as well as anybody. You've seen every snap they all have. To you, Who's the number one quarterback in this coming draft? First of all, I love watching Dominique's face. It was like saving last night with me when, when, when Tannenbaum said, no disrespect to Justin Fields, but I'm going to trade your butt. But that's okay. Um, listen, I, I think when you, when, when you look at Justin Fields, obviously it's got to be how you look at him. The, the offense and the way they structured it this year, they asked him to run the football a ton. He's big and strong. He did it, but he got banged up. That's not sustainable, I don't think. I mean, he's got to continue to develop and evolve. If that happens, you're going to have to give him more help around him. Here's the thing about Bryce Young. I love Bryce Young. I love everything that's inside of his chest. I love how he throws the football. But, Mike, he is a small guy. 
Like, he is not a big guy at all. He, he struggles to throw the ball sometimes over the middle of the field just because he can't see it. And can he make magic? Can he make plays? But, yeah, and this is a guy that he might be, what, 180, 180 pounds? And when you see smaller quarterbacks, you better have, you know, that ability to shrug people off and make people miss consistently. And so – I think it'll be a very interesting debate, and I wonder how many teams are going to really, really question, you know, is Bryce Young going to be the guy because, because of his size? And you're telling me you're going to take him number one overall with that. Oh, man, that's, that's tough, and yeah. then I'm trading away Justin Fields. I'd rather trade the pick and continue to build around Justin Fields and continue to get my organization a lot better so yeah. I'm not drafting high in the draft again. Let me come to Graziano here quickly before I go to Marcus, because what, if anything, do we know about the sense they have in Chicago? They just found yeah. out they're on the clock. They're in no rush. The draft is not until the end of April, so they have a lot of time here. But I feel like the vibe, anyway, coming out of Chicago is how excited everyone is about Fields. The, the general manager and the head coach were not there when they drafted Justin That's Fields. That's correct. So uh, my understanding of what they think about Justin Fields, they think very highly of him, right? They believe that he, he can be the quarterback of the future. They love the way he works. They love the way that, you know, it, it, and I don't think the offense, to David's point, is going to look like this going forward. they got to get him some receivers. they got to get him some protection. That, that's part of the plan. But, you know, they, they are not the, the, the front office and coaching staff that drafted him. So you have to leave open this possibility, especially you're sitting at the number one pick. It comes down to, do you like Bryce Young as much or more than you like Justin Fields? And if the answer to that is yes, then the move that Mike is suggesting makes sense for the Bears because, you know, there are a lot of teams, to your point, that need quarterbacks. You could probably get a lot for him. So in terms of what the Bears will do, that's an assessment they have to make. When you talk to teams about Bryce Young – you know, most of them will say they wish he was bigger, right? They love the way he plays, love the way he throws, everything about him, but they wish he was bigger. So that, that is a factor. So difficult decision for the Bears, but uh, it's one that I, I just don't think they're going to rule anything out. Uh, quickly, to the point that you were making, Mike T, that you could probably get more for the number one pick than you could for Fields just based on what you were saying. The teams will want to restart the clock and everything else. Okay, I don't know what the answer here is going to be, and I can't wait to hear. Marcus Spears, what do you think of all this? Man, you don't trade Justin Fields. <laughs> what are you – listen, first of all, have we not watched the difference in Trevor Lawrence when Urban Meyer left and Doug Peterson came in? That's mm -hmm. number one. The other thing is this, too. Being small in the NFL matters now because dudes on defense are bigger and running four threes and four fours. You get banged up. Like Justin has gotten banged up with his running ability. Here's what you got to ask yourself. In the right situation, with, with all of the tremendous play that we've seen from Justin Fields, do we think he can take a leap? I'm going to ask you guys, everybody that's here, to direct your, your attention to a town called Philadelphia, mm -hmm. okay? And see what development and an offense yeah. and the ability to put all of those <laughs> traits into play. I think Justin Fields throws the ball better than Jalen Hurts. I think Justin Fields is as athletic, if not more, than Jalen Hurts. And we were having a conversation if Jalen Hurts could be a starter in this league before the season started. Well, you know what Sirianni did? He put him in the RPO system. They went out and got A.J. Brown. They got a tight end by the name of Dallas Goddard. They drafted a number one wide receiver by the name of Devontae Smith. They had built an offensive line around this guy, and now you saw the talent be able to come to the forefront for Jalen Hurts based on all of the things that his team did around him. Yeah. That is my train of thought when it comes to the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, to me, showed enough this year 
to tell me that he could be a high-level starter in this league. And right now, guys, we can fool ourselves, but we know that athleticism now matters. Watch when we watch these playoffs. Yep. Patrick Mahomes going to use his legs to get out of trouble. We know damn well Josh Allen going to use his legs. Sneakily, Joe Burrow has made a lot of plays to help Cincinnati win games with his legs. We look on the other side of the ball. Dallas needs to use Dak Prescott athletic ability a little bit more than they do to help him with some of these turnovers. You do not get rid of Justin Fields. If you're going to use the first pick, you draft Will Anderson from, from the University of Alabama, or you trade it away to try to build through this offensive line and find some weapons for this young quarterback that I think got a chance to ascend to being one of the better ones when we look down the league five, ten years from now. Swagoo, I actually agree with you. I think that we're looking at a young ascending player in Justin Fields, but you just made the argument for me. Like, I want to have a Philadelphia type of offseason by taking all those picks for Justin Fields, by taking Bryce Young and taking all that cap space and getting all those good players. And I think when you stack those six players you could have with Bryce Young, that's why I would make this move. This let, is not to say that Fields won't be a good player. Let, let me give David Pollock the final use word. The pick, though, Mike T. We'll come back, Marcus, I'm I sorry. promise. But I'm, I'm going to lose David here as he's got to go to a flight. Let me give you the final word on all this, David Pollock. Go. I think you would have to say, like, if you're going to do this, you'd have to think that Justin Fields isn't the long-term solution. Justin Fields, yeah. here's the deal. When I watched Justin Fields this year, he looks like a freak. He looks like a guy that can make plays. This offense, it was not an NFL offense yet. Like, right. I think that's fair to say. Like, he wasn't making, he wasn't making reads and, and doing things that you need him to do to get to the next level. But this dude, you watch him throw the football and you see his size and you see the way he runs. He looks like a guy, if he gets in the right system and they build the players like Marcus talked around him in Philadelphia, he looks like a guy that has so much ability to make life Heck, for every defense they face and be a problem. So it's just it's just what you like. I, I, I like what he's saying about trading, but that dude just looks like he's built different, and if you could find the right system, he could be pretty special. All right, I have to let David go. He's got a flight to catch. David, congratulations to, to you and to your Georgia Bulldogs, and thank you so much for getting up with us and for a terrific season. Thank you, my friend. Travel safe today. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one, Diz. All right, that's David Pollack again. We'll continue on Get Up in a moment. Up next, does anyone have more at stake in the playoffs than Lamar Jackson? Should he play on Sunday if he's not 100%? Those are the questions. We've got the answers next. Get Up on ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, back on Get Up and again last night, Georgia's Stetson Bennett finishing his college career on top. Kirby Smart and family had to confront the future. But I walked in and my 10-year-old son, Andrew's balling, and I was like, oh, no, somebody's hurt his feelings. Somebody's thrown him down. Somebody's done something to him. I said, why are you crying? You're going to ruin my moment. He said, Stetson's leaving. Stetson's gone. I said, he's 25 years old. He's got to go. He's got to leave. <laughs> Stetson Bennett, by the way, is older than uh, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and Brock Purdy. Wow. Uh, four of the projected starting quarterbacks in this year's <laughs> NFL playoffs. So it does seem like oh, time. Crazy. Another very young starting quarterback in the NFL is Lamar Jackson. And we know that he has missed the last five games with a knee. The Ravens have a Sunday night date in Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson is 6-1 and one against the Bengals in his career. Here's John Harbaugh on the status of his superstar quarterback. I don't really have an update right now to share with you. Uh, uh, you know, we'll have an injury report out on Wednesday because I won't be, have a chance to talk to you between now and then. That's kind of where we're at. When we have something to report on that, we will, honestly. I mean, that's just the truth of it. He wants to play. There's no doubt. That's my feeling. You know, I love Lamar. I love Lamar. I love everything about Lamar. Always have, always will. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> because we had the same conversation last week, and his demeanor in the interview last week was one that was not in love with Lamar. But this week, he made sure we all knew that that man, is his, his future is tied to how well Lamar feels and how well he plays. Well, look, let, let's start with the most important thing we can do, which is get whatever information we have. Yeah. Do we expect him to play? Look, there's optimism around the situation, right? Like, I, I think there's, there's hope that the Ravens have that he'll be on the practice field this week for the first time in five weeks, by the way. Uh, but this is not the first time in the last five weeks that they've had that optimism. Yeah. So that's the problem. Until you see – like Harbaugh, like I always love coach speak. Like he could absolutely talk to them today if he wanted to. There's no mm-hmm. rule that says, oh, we have to wait till the injury report comes out. But I don't think he knows for sure until he sees him on the practice field tomorrow what he can expect. And, again, hasn't practiced in five weeks. How much practice time does he need this week to get ready for the game? You know, if he's not out there tomorrow, it starts to be a big question. Uh, but Marcus, it's, it's pretty simple. Since Lamar got hurt, or at since some point this season, the Ravens went from having a terrible defense to having a very good defense. If they get Lamar Jackson back, are, are they a real – are you concerned that they knock Cincinnati? Everyone's talking about Cincinnati going to the Super Bowl. Is Cincinnati one and done if Lamar Jackson plays Sunday night? No, Cincinnati gonna be Baltimore. Uh, like, we, I mean, gee, listen, I would, I would love to embellish you. And obviously, if Lamar Jackson is back and able to be Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens have much more of a chance at upsetting. I'm not this the NFL. Like, we can't just throw everything out. He, he's that dynamic when it comes to game changing type plays and making defenses play you differently. But Cincinnati is a better team with Lamar on the field. But, but here's the thing too, like. We'll have an overall arching conversation on this, but when it comes to these playoffs, and Lamar has been out five weeks, and I know what's happening in Cincy right now. They got some offensive line guys that's injured, which is may be a big issue for them going forward. Joe Burrow has been getting the ball out fast. You look at the talent on the outside, but but here, let's be clear: the Baltimore Ravens have no chance without Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And with Lamar Jackson, I still wouldn't pick them to beat the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals, even though that defense has stepped up a little bit. This is uh, much more of a conversation to come 
about a lot of ramifications on this particular situation, though. Absolutely. I mean, contractually, and we all understand what that's all about. And, and look, if you were an advisor, if, 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 if Lamar Jackson were to call you up and say, hey, Dominique, what should I do here? My knee hurts. Mm-hmm. I could probably play. And I, I'm just putting, I don't right. know exactly what the yeah, status of his knee is, of course. What would you tell him? I mean, if there's any possibility that he could go out there and be a lesser version of himself, I don't think it's a smart thing to do. One, because this team does not have legitimate championship potential, I think. And two, because it's going to be used against him in negotiations. Right now, his value's probably gone up since he's sat down. If he could come back and have a vintage Lamar Jackson game and remind everybody how valuable he is, that'd be great. If he comes back and has a... A, a mediocre game because he's doing it for the team? Like, yes, it's a beautiful sentiment, but that's going to hurt him. We see it happen time and time again. Yeah, I think the best argument for him is what they've done the last five games without him. Yeah. 16 points, 3, 17, 13, 16, and they've gone 2 and 3 without him. So I think he has cemented his value to this organization, and it's just a matter of time, in my opinion, until they get something done. And clearly, they have no chance without him. I mean, I've been saying all along, I I think that the most interesting storyline of the offseason is what winds up happening with this. Are we we living in a world where Lamar Jackson is on the franchise tag in Baltimore next year? I think that's the most likely situation. I mean, unless he decides he wants out and and asks them to trade him. I don't know, you know, I don't don't know how bad the situation is going to get between him and the team. Are we living in a world where he could be the quarterback of the Jets next year? Someone just tell me the answer to this question. I don't think it's crazy. But Zach Wilson's going to make life tough on him. (laughs) (laughs) Start with me. We just made Justin Fields available. Isn't that good enough? I'm I'm, I'm extremely fragile. (laughs) Don't 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 start with me. All right, you know what? That is the perfect segue to a segment uh, in which Dominique explains the things about which he gives zero Fox. (laughs) Uh, Let's make our way over there for zero Fox given. These are some of the moments from this past weekend in the NFL that Dominique thought stood out most to him. Nick, take it away. I'm glad zero Fox is alive for another week. (laughs) Lucky me. But let's go to the Titans field goal attempt. That's the first one where the referee, Alex Moore, he's like, you think that you're going to get a practice? Snap, hold, and kick? No! The first blocked field goal by a referee. Alex did a great job. Look at that spring into action. Explosive. He must have played in college or something. High school. Look at that plant. Eyes. Yeah, block point. All my um, special teams coaches would appreciate that. And then a little trash talk on the way back. Take that. You ain't getting no kicks off on me. No cheating around here, Mr. Stonehouse. I appreciate that. Who we got next? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Oh, Joe Burrow's whole existence is about not caring very much about what you think. Here's a no-look pass. Obviously, we love it when Mahomes does it. We love it when Stafford does it. But Joe Burrow does it so incredibly well right here. But that's not the best part. The sound after the game yeah. is the best part that shows that Joe Burrow truly gives zero fox. Yeah, they asked him about what the window, the championship window is in Cincinnati. Listen to this. The window's my whole career. And, and everybody that, that we have in that locker room, all the coaches we have, you know, things are going to change year to year. But... Uh, our window's always open. The, the, the confidence. Well, first of all, excellent job setting it up right yeah. there, Greedy. Yeah. Also, second of all, the confidence for him just to carry that around. And also, the most impressive part is that none of us are looking at him like that's a dumb thing to say. Right. We're all like, that's awesome. I would run through a wall. He made me want to go play for him. Right, one more. Last one. Sewell. 
Game's on the line. Lions call a trick play. Obviously, that's a little bit uh, gutsy. But watch Penesul. The athleticism of a man this big oh. to get downfield. This is a tribute to my man Jeff Saturday. Uh -huh. Sneak, yeah, Penesul. <laughs> sneak a pancake in here. Just watching him move. I know oh. the pancake is impressive. We all love that. But watching a man this size move in the open field is incredibly impressive. This team is on the ascent. I love their win this weekend, and it's all going to be on the back of that Penn Sewell guy. Detroit is the team that if they had somehow gotten in, I think we'd be talking about none of the big teams in the NFC want to play. Marcus, final word. I love it. That's a beautiful zero Fox given. I get scared every time I'm going to say yeah. it because I'm a country and I might say the wrong thing. But, hey, hey, Foxy, What's uh, up, that Joe Burrow sound, that yeah. Joe Burrow sound, I think what, what you said about us believing it, dude, Cincinnati got to feel good. With Mahomes and all them other dudes, you got that guy. That's that's a that good guy feeling, buddy. And a and a white turtleneck looking like he got an R and B album coming out soon. I love him. I want to play for Joe Burrow if I had a couple snaps left. All right, we are just getting this thing rolling. Coming up, we're going back to L A. Are we just seeing the start of the dynasty in Georgia? Has the torch been passed from Saban to Smart? We'll get the answers to those questions from the man who knows them. Paul Feinbaum is up early, and he's ready to go next. Get up on ESPN.